Fantastic. Right. Um, as you may be aware, Camille, last week, if you were here last week, Camille spoke from Ephesians 3.20. Um, is where I'm going to speak next week, so she stole my message. <laughs> and she knew I was going to preach it. But I'm not going to blame her for that because there is so much in Ephesians 3.20. So um, we're going to look at that next week as well. Um, but it's going to be a reduced time because we've got the kids in with us. Um, and we've got a dedication service next week as well. So there's all sorts of things happening next week. But this week is week seven of me preaching on God is able. And for those that may have missed a few weeks, I'm not going to backtrack because um, you're, you can go online, you can listen to it yourself. That's going to be the idea. Um, but there is so much that we've, we've gone through and so many areas that we've looked into. Um, and I really would encourage you to, to just see for yourself the power of God being released in our life and that he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond anything that you can believe for. Because we put the lid on God. God doesn't. We always limit God. You know, the, even in, in Israel, Israel said, you know, God said to Israel, Why? Do you limit the Holy One of Israel? Why are you limiting me? Let's take the limits off of God. And a couple of weeks ago, we sung a song called God is Able. And I just want to read the words. The first verse, I think it is, goes like this. God is able. He will never fail. What a, you know, what a great statement. Eh? What a statement of intent. God is able. He will never fail. He is almighty God, greater than all we seek. Greater than all we ask, he has done great things. In his name, we overcome, for the Lord our God is able. What a great declaration. What a great song it is. But actually, it's a great truth for each and every one of us. It is the word of God into our life. And today, I want to encourage you again just to, to set aside perhaps those areas of prayer or those areas of concern or the mountains that you may be going facing right now or those giants that you may be facing, just set those aside and say, Lord, what is it that you want to say to me? Ephesians 3.20, now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all I can ask or imagine according to the power that works in me. Father, as we open up your word this morning, I thank you, Lord, that there is no limit to you. Lord, help us to take off the limits that we've placed on you. Help us to take off the limits that we've allowed in the circumstances of our life. And today we just say, Father, your will be done. Lord, bring revelation of your word into our hearts to expand our belief in you. In Jesus' name. Amen. So our fifth thought on this particular line of thought is there is no person too hard or impossible for the Lord to save. There is no person. Now, every one of us in this room are probably thinking, oh, I've been believing for so-and-so for years. I've been praying for so-and-so for years. I've been praying for my boss at work for years. You don't know my family. I've been praying for them, but they've rejected every time I've spoken to them. There is no person too hard for the Lord to save. Think about that. Think about, you know, I, I think about Julie. Julie, you brought your sister last week, and she got saved. She responded to the gospel, bang, just like that. 
Absolutely fantastic. Uh, I, I know of, of couples who prayed for their husband or their wife for years, and then all of a sudden, bang, they get saved. And you think, that's a work of God. This morning, you know, I, I know of individuals in this room who have been believing for a loved one for years. Let's take off our limits. Right now, let's take them off and say, but God. But God in the midst of this. But God can do it. Let's read this because this may just encourage you. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 25 says this. Therefore, he is able to save to the uttermost. Who is Jesus? Jesus is able to save to the uttermost, completely, perfectly, and finally, for all time and eternity, those who come to God through him. Why? Since he is always, 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 he is always living to make petition to God and intercede with him and intervene for who? Them. Those that you're praying for, those that you're believing for, those that are in your heart today, who's interceding for them? You think you are. But every time you pray to God, Jesus is standing before the Father interceding on their behalf. Standing in the gap. Standing, they could have died, I don't know how many times, but they're still here. Why? Because Jesus is interceding for them. He's still standing before the throne of heaven saying, I, I, I want this one. I want this one. This one. I, they keep on praying for this one. They keep on reminding me that I died on their behalf. What an incredible scripture that is when you're believing for loved ones in your life. Therefore, he was able to save to the uttermost. Guess what? Most people come from the gutter. They come from the guttermost to the uttermost. There's a book written many years ago called that. From the guttermost to the uttermost. But that's the God that we serve. He is able to save. He is able. That's what we're looking at. God is able. He is able to save from the uttermost, completely, perfectly, finally, and for all time and eternity, those that come to God through him, since he is always living to make petition for God, to God and intercede with him and intervene for them. So often we think it's our prayers. It's what we do. It's, we've got to get them saved. No, no. We just keep bringing them before God. You know how to save them. You know how to bring people into their life. You know how to, how to uh, manipulate this world in such a way that they meet up with another believer who wasn't a believer many years ago in their life. Lord, you can orchestrate all things to bring them to a place where they acknowledge you. You know, the Bible is full of individuals that society would say, and no, and, 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 and I guess um, they'll never be saved. The society, your world, your workplace, your, your home even. You know, we know that we've been praying for Sam for years. But there's going to be a big God moment. I absolutely believe that for Darren. I absolutely. For, for you, Jerry? For your son? For your wife? A big God moment that comes into their world. Who else is believing for a, an unsaved member of their family to come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? Maybe not your family, but someone at work, a, a loved one, a neighbor. So, we all should have a, we should, you know, we should be like an octopus with arms and legs and everything up because we're believing for this one, that one, the other one, whoever. 
I believe God not only can, but he will. I don't know about you, but I do believe in household salvation. We're going to look at that a little bit later on today. But the Bible is full of people that say that society would say, that's too hard to reach. Or they're too far gone, or they've sinned too much. Or why would God want to save them? Do you know what? According to Romans, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It is by the grace of God that you and I are here today. It's by his incredible grace that he opened up our eyes that we beheld the glory of the living God. Let's never take our salvation for granted. All sinned and came short. I'm so thankful. He now calls us sons and daughters of the Most High God. He's now welcomed us into his family. He's now seated us in heavenly places. But one time, we were like all those that we're praying for, lost without a cause, lost without hope. But I thank God for Romans 3 that says, all have fallen short, yes, but now he's brought us into his place. You know, you look through the Bible, I guess if you, if you flick through the Gospels, you'll see many individuals that the world would have said, they're too far gone. Consider the madman of Gadara. You know, I, I don't know if anyone here has come up against someone that's got 6,000 demons uh, in one human vessel, but that's a pretty scary encounter. Most of us would have said they're too far gone. They're, they're mad. They've lost the plot. They're, they're running around naked, cutting themselves with knives. They're too far gone. But God. You, you think your boss at work's bad. He's not like the madman of Gadara. He's still got his clothes on. He's still not cutting himself. He, 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 he may, you may think he's lost the plot. But if God can save the madman of Gadara, then he can save anyone. That man was in a prison locked in his own mindset of confusion and delusional. But God still broke through in that man's life, brought hope and soundness of mind. See, that's the God we serve. What we say is too big with God is nowhere near too big. Who right now, think of a name, think of a person, who right now is too, too big, too difficult? You've prayed for too long. Who right now are you struggling to see saved? Struggling to see the breakthrough? Struggling to see who right now? For some, I know it's those grandchildren that you've been believing for. I know the circumstances. For others, it is your husband. For others, it is your wife. Who right now are we believing for? Let faith arise in your heart. Let faith begin to ascend in the heart of your life. As you begin to consider, if that man was not too hard for Jesus to reach, then your husband, your wife, your colleague, your children, your grandchildren are not too hard for God to reach. It's amazing. It's let it bring courage into your life. Jesus 
was on a journey and he said to his guys, let's get into the boat and go to the other side. When they went to the other side, they set, he set the madman free, got back in the boat and went away. The only reason he went to the shores of the Gadarenes was to set that one person free. That one person then went out and told multitudes of what Jesus had done for him. See, Jesus is concerned about every single person in this room, who you've been praying for, who's been struggling, and what the journey is. And he will leave the 99. He doesn't have to because he's there all places at all time. But he'll leave as such and leave the 99 and go and minister to that one. The one that you're believing for. The one that you're bringing before God. The one who can save to the uttermost. I just love the fact that it's Jesus that does it. You know, know, for years, I put that responsibility on me. I've got to live right. I've got to behave right. I've got to speak right. Because if I do all these things, then through my example, they may find the Lord. Do you know what? I, I, could, I, could, I could live, try and live, try and live perfect, but I can't save anyone. I have to take them and point them to Jesus. Exactly the same as you. We've got to still, even though we may have done it 10 times, 50 times, 150 times over the years, let's continually point them to Jesus because he's the one who saves, not us. He's the one who does the work. When you, when you look at Paul and Silas, and this is really, really what I want, want us to focus on. Paul and Silas were, were God-hearted, God-loving people. And yet they were thrown, uh, thrown into a prison. They were arrested, thrown into a prison, and beaten. In the midst of that journey, they could have looked at the jailer and thought, that brute will never get saved. God will now... Will God ever get us out of this situation? Because it's very real. You know, it's not like the prisons today. You, know, you go down the local prison, you can sit, sit there and play Xbox for half a day. And you think, hang on, what's, what's that? What's, you, know, you can be at home and play Xbox. You can be in prison and play Xbox. You don't, it's just like a weird world that we live in. But back then, if you were thrown into a jail or into a prison, you were in the muck, the mire, and the excrement of every prisoner that had ever lived there, and, and it was filthy, disgusting, and horrendous, and you were very blessed to ever come out of those places without a disease or alive. And they were thrown in there, chained to the wall, beaten, and at midnight, they praised God. See, in the middle of our difficulties... In the middle of those prayers that we're praying, praise is the key. What is it? We sing a song, don't we? Praise is a weapon. Your praise is a weapon. If the enemy can steal your tongue in praise, he has stolen the weapon in which we overcome. That's why I'm so, so I'm personally, I'm so eager to if we have to replace this floor one day, that's what I would love. I would love to see every person jump. Not because oh, we're a jumpy church, but because we're on, on fire and on praise for our God. Uh, you know, I guess you know, I'm not as young as I used to be. And on Friday night, we had our ultimate youth challenge night. Oh, my legs hurt like mad. 
But I'll tell you what, you know, go, we had a race course around here with a couple of office chairs. I won. This, this 54-year, 55-year-old bloke beat our, our 16s and under. It's like, oh, that, is, that made me feel so good. Almost as good as catching my biggest fish ever. Put the back of my legs today. Oh, trying, to, trying to scoot around this place. I did it in 23 seconds. The closest to me was 31 seconds. It was just awesome. I just... But I guess whatever I do... I give, I give my all. If ever you see me on car park, I, I like to give my all. Whatever I do, I do unto the Lord. If I'm going to praise, if I'm going to praise God for all that he's done, I, I don't want to do a pat a cake, pat a cake, baker's man. I want to I clap my heart out because he's worthy. I want to I wanna lift my arms until they feel like lead weights because he's worthy. I want to dance it hurts the knees and it does hurt the ankles. But I, I want to dance. I want to run. I want to give him everything. Why? Because I guess I've got a revelation of what he did for me. And when we get a re- revelation of what he's done for me, for you, in your world, what we were saved from, what we're saved to, what we're no longer a part of this world, we're in it, but we're not of it. When we get an understanding of that, there is nothing that's going to hold us down. One of the things we were praying for in the room earlier on, um, and, and we do, we pray from half nine to, to 10 o'clock. Please feel free to join us. There's, there's two, two of us every week that pray. Please join us if you want to. If you've got a heart to pray for the, the, the meeting, pray for people, pray for a community. We pray for it all. Pray for our kids. Where two or three are gathered in my name. I don't, I'm not discouraged with the fact there's only two. I just don't like the fact that God turns up. If it is me, I'm a Jack Jones. I don't know where that scripture turns up. You know, if two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst. If two agree concerning anything, it's like, okay, I'm on my own. No, no, I'm not. I've got one other with me. But if we got it, do we believe in the power of prayer? Because if we do, we'd be, we'd be praying, surely. It's, it's the prison that the madman of Gadara is in. It was the prison that Paul and Silas were, were in. But they weren't going to let their prison imprison them. See, there are too many Christians who are imprisoned even though they are set free. Paul and Silas were in, were in prison, but they weren't imprisoned. They were freer than anybody else. And they began to praise God at midnight. And something incredible happened. The brute of a jailer. He wasn't going to open up those doors. He wasn't going to set them free. He was going to be a menace. He was going to be the worst brute of a jailer he could to these two men that had just been thrown in their prison. But God, he, he didn't allow for God in the midst of it. And in the middle of the night, they praised. What, who were they praising? They are they're praising the same God that we do today. But when things go wrong in our life, do we praise him like they did? When, the, when our back's against the wall, do we praise him like they did? If you were imprisoned tonight, would you sit there going, Oh, why was it me that got caught? Why couldn't it have been Pastor Jeff that was here in my place? 
Or would we be praising God at midnight and expecting a miracle to take place? Would we be imprisoned in the prison? Or would we be as free in the prison as what we are in church? Or are we imprisoned in church? Only you can answer that for you. But here, Madman of Gadara is imprisoned in his own mind. Paul and Silas are imprisoned in the prison. But they're not in the prison themselves. We serve Almighty God. He is El Shaddai, the God who is more than enough. He has all power, all authority. He has the ability to change every circumstance that we ever bring to him. Let's take the lid off and allow heaven to minister and to move in power in our life. Let him exceed our wildest imagination. What is your wildest imagination? Here, see Paul and Silas, they were worshipping God, giving God their best. They were expanding their wildest imagination. That even in the midst of this prison, God still can. Let's pick up the story in Acts chapter 16, verse We'll go from verse, I'm going to go from verse 25 anyway. Um, But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundation of the prison was shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and every chain was loosed. See, it doesn't just say it was Paul and Silas, it was all of them. The whole prison broke open. See, I I believe as we as individuals begin to break open, this whole area will begin to break open. But it's got to start in the house. It's got to start with you and me. It's got to start with us. Once it starts with us, I'll tell you what, this neighborhood neighborhood hasn't got a chance. Or it's 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 got every God chance to change and to be just transformed. So, you know, it says every chain was loosed. Can you imagine what that looks like? I've been in some meetings over the years um, around the country and around the world. But when the, when the Spirit of the Lord begins to move and you start, you know, when, when I was in Africa back in 99, when the Spirit of the Lord began to move in those meetings and you, you, it was in the town hall in Cape Coast and you felt, you know, it was a solid brick or concrete foundation to the town hall. But you felt this, it's like the whole place was boom, boom. The whole place was moving with the power of God present in that place. It was just, it was like something I only experienced in a very few places. One of those places was Hasler Detention Center when it was as a prison. And I would go in there and I'd minister as a chaplain to the the detainees in there. And when the detainees in there began to praise, it was like nothing I'd experienced anywhere in any church. It was awesome. And the joy and the excitement. And I often used to say to them, who is in prison? You or me? Because they were freer than I was ever free at that time. It was just incredible. So anyway, every chain now has been loosed. And here we go in this moment. See, that was, that was exceedingly abundantly above and beyond. Yeah. 
This at this moment, their chains, the, the foundation of the prison has been shaken and every chain of every prisoner has been loosed. That is our God at work, isn't it? Yeah? That is our God at work. But it wasn't beyond their wildest imagination. Beyond their wildest imagination came next. And the keeper of the prison, this ugly brute, I can just imagine him, he's, you know, this, this nasty, I was going to say this nasty bald-headed bloke, and then I look, <laughs> I look over here, and I look at Shane, it's like, oh, what I just... But you just imagine this bloke, this great big double thing on the back of his neck, just... <laughs> can, you, can you picture this kind of bloke as well? No. <laughs> help me out, please, help me out. <laughs> Digging away, here we go. <laughs> Come back again, will you, Shane, please? <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, the keeper of the prison awaking and seeing uh, from his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled drew his sword and was about to kill himself. He was desperate. If he didn't do it, then he knew that the Roman authorities were. So it was either, right, let's get over and done with, or I'm going to have to face this by others. He was in a desperate place. But Paul called with a loud voice saying, do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Every one of them. I don't know how many prisoners they had in there, but they were all there. None of them had left. I can imagine that there were just so many Christians in prison. It was at a time when the persecution was so high, there were loads of Christians in the prison. Then he called for a light. Obviously, he didn't believe what he was hearing. Then he called for a light and ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What a great prayer. Lord, what must I do to be free? What must I do to be loosed? What must I do? What must... See, that's got to be a cry in our hearts as well. What must I do to experience this kind of Christianity in my life? I don't want to just be a Sunday Christian. I don't want to just experience church here on a Sunday. I want my life so full on to God. What must I do to truly be saved? So they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you and your, uh, you will be saved and your household. Isn't that great? Yeah. It's not just about you. It's not just about, hey, is, is, I'm all right, Jack. I'm going to heaven. I've got my ticket. I'm all right. No. Who else can you bring with you? How many are you bringing into the household of faith? How many are we taking to heaven with us? Let it not be just about me. Let it be about me. And my whole household, not just my children, not just my wife, not just my grandkids, not just my aunties and uncles, not just my nephews, but my second cousins and my third cousins. And hey, that's still part of my whole household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them that same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and his family were baptized. This is above our wildest imagination. Remember, this is the brute that beat them, whipped them, chained them, mocked them, didn't think there was a chance of escaping from him, and now he's 
tending to their wounds. He was a heartless individual. You can't be a jailer in a prison like that and not be heartless. Because you're doing heartless things to people continually. And now he's, he's soothing and bringing ointments to heal their bodies. What a transformation. And immediately he and his family were baptized. We were going to do a baptismal service in September, uh, but circumstances changed. If there's anybody that would like to get baptized in the next week or two, it'd be a bit cold. Pastor Kern and Pastor Archie go in the water, not me. Um, but I'm happy to do a baptismal service. Why wait? You, your household, why wait? And then in verse 34, it says, And when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them and rejoiced, having believed God with all his household. What an amazing verse of Scripture. That is exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond our wildest imagination. If he can do it to this brute of a jailer, your wife probably is not quite <laughs> in comparison. All your husband, all your children. God is able. I just want that to go deep down into your heart. God is able. God is able. What is it, the verse that we saw in Hebrews? God is able to save to the uttermost. God is able. Don't give up. On your husband and wife. Just keep pressing in. Keep pressing into God on their behalf. Don't give up on your children or your grandchildren. Just keep pressing in. Keep pressing into God because He is able to save to the uttermost. As I think about the different individuals in the New Testament, I think as I was writing this down, preparing it, I thought about the, jail, uh, the, the individual, uh, the criminal that was crucified with Jesus. He had no chance of, of living a repentant life. He had every reason to be nailed upon that cross because he was a criminal. This is just a horrible way of the Romans dealing with, with what they dealt with in their day. It was their form of, uh, of, of, of torture and, and death. But it, he, because he was a criminal, he deserved to be there according to their law. But do you know what? Jesus turned around to him and said, Today you'll be with me with, in paradise. Today you will be with me in paradise. You think he's a criminal? He deserved to be there, but God. Where would we be without God? Just think about it. Where would you be had not a godly person intervened in your circumstances? Where would your family be if God hadn't brought someone in who helped in that journey? Where, where would we be if it wasn't for God? I think I would have been either in prison or dead. I would not have reached the age I am now. Many of you know I ran around with a Magnum Python Dirty Harry gun because I wanted to blow the kneecaps off of drug dealers. That was my intention. That was where I wanted, what I wanted to do. But God, I walked into a 
in my opinion at the time as a young person, an old church with old people in it. That was my view. But God spoke to me in that moment. I thank God for a God moment in my journey. And it wasn't just that moment. I can go back to when I was 16, when I got baptized. There was a God moment then. I can go back to a moment when I was seven and I had a God moment then. I thank God for a moment when I was at the top of Sedgley Grove in gospel and he spoke to me and said, you will feed my sheep. I turned around to God and said, feed them what? I wasn't reading the Bible. I didn't know anything about the Bible. But that was God's call to my life. You will feed my sheep. I said, with what? But it was a God moment. And there's been God moments ever since where he's kept me from falling. He's kept me on the straight and narrow. He's kept me focused when all hell was breaking loose in my life. And you very rarely hear this from the pastor. Everything looks great in the pastor's world. But when all hell breaks loose and everything comes against the target because the pastor is always the target and so are the leaders, whenever that happens, when all hell breaks loose, I thank God that he's given me the strength to continue. Because there's been numerous times I could have hung up my boots or hung up my Bible and said, I've had enough. But God is the source of my strength. Never allow the circumstances or the pressure or the prison or the giant that's before you have his way because the grace of God is stronger than anything the enemy brings your way. I'm going to finish with this. So the guy was crucified with Jesus and yet Jesus said, no, you'll be with me. You've acknowledged me. You know who I am. You know, he turned around and said, why are you here? You've done nothing wrong. And Jesus saw the purity of his heart in that statement and said, you'll be with me. I, 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 prepared, I prepared Saul. Saul, you know, Christian killer. But God, even those who were in the church at the time were questioning, how could this ever be? He's killed Christians. He's imprisoned Christians. He's, he's got papers to arrest Christians. And there was doubts in the minds of the leaders of the church that this could be so. But God proved it and sent a man called Ananias to Paul and said, Ananias, uh, Paul, he, he said to Paul, he said, God has spoken to me and he's called me to come to you and to pray for you and to heal you of your blindness. And God has called you to the nations of the world. What an incredible moment. Who are we to ever doubt that God can save or minister into different lives that we represent here today? I'm going to pray two prayers here. Did I have a scripture to finish with? Yeah, <laughs> Ephesians 3.20, of course. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and to accomplish all of this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your un- most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all, for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. We're just going to pray two prayers. First prayer I want to pray is if you've never given your life to God, today would be a really good day to do so. 
And then I'm going to pray for those who are believing for individuals. And you've prayed and you've, you, you feel like you've prayed every possible prayer. I'm just going to pray for you this morning as well. So let's just pray first and foremost. If you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you've never said yes to him and acknowledged that he died for you, and he rose again from the dead to give you new life. If you've never prayed that prayer, I'm going to pray this prayer. I'm going to ask everybody to pray it as well at the same time. So let's pray together. Jesus, we come to you today. And we acknowledge that you can do exceedingly and abundantly above all we can ask or imagine. You can save a soul like me. You died for me. You rose for me, and you're calling me right now. Jesus, save me and accept me. I ask it in your name. Amen. Well, every head is bowed and every eye closed. If you prayed that prayer this morning, and you're meaning it in the sincerity of your heart, I'm going to count to three. I'm going to ask you to pop up your hand. One, two three. If you've never prayed that prayer and you prayed that this morning, just pop up your hand. Is there anybody in this room this morning? Somebody over here in the front, I believe. Somebody over there on this side. Thank you. God loves you. God loves each and every one of us in this room. Father, I thank you for the, Lord, you said the one repentant soul. There is more rejoicing in heaven over one. And Father, we just rejoice with this one who is receiving you and walking, beginning to walk this journey with you. Father, we pray that your incredible love, your incredible forgiveness, that the peace of God will rest upon their heart in Jesus' name. just want to pray a second prayer. If you're praying for someone, believing for someone, you've gone through years of praying for the same prayers. I'm going to ask you just to stand. And we're going to agree together to, to, to trust and see God move in this situation. So if you've been praying specifically for, for an individual, someone, a loved one, someone that works, someone that you're, you're believing for, to see their soul saved, just stand to your feet. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you, Lord, right across this room. There are people who we're believing for to be saved. Lord, we want to populate heaven. We want to see heaven increase. We want to see their lives turned around. And transformed by the power of God. And we stand here before you today. And we beseech you. We seek you. We ask of you this day. Lord that you would bring people across their path. Lord that every prayer that's ever been prayed. None of them have been wasted. I thank you, Lord, that you've been planning and orchestrating and changing and preparing and getting ready. And Lord, I pray for a harvest of souls 
that are represented here in this room by the individuals that they're praying for. But also beyond that, our wildest imagination that they and their households and their friends will also come to know you as Lord and Savior. Lord, those that are standing in this room perhaps represent thousands of potential lives that could be impacted. Father, this day, I pray, Lord, that household salvation will manifest in the lives of these people. Lord, that none, Lord, we know that it's your will that none should be lost and that all would come to the knowledge of the truth, that all would come to the place of repentance. I pray, open their eyes that they may behold your glory. I come against every negative word that's ever been spoken. I come against every barrier and every wall that's been built up over the years. And Father, we pull it down in the name of Jesus. I come against every religious uh, negativity that they've built up. And I pray, Lord, that they would encounter you and have a relationship with you. Father, we pray the seed that has been sown into their life, the word of God that's been sown into their life, the seed of your word that is in the barn of their life. I thank you, Lord, that that seed is an incorruptible seed. Lord, today we water that seed. Father, we thank you for harvest in Jesus' name. Harvest in the souls of those that we're believing for. Father, whilst we're here praying, we pray for this community. Lord, you've placed us here for a reason. Lord, many of us drive to get here, and it's not our natural location. But we pray for the souls of the people in this area, and we pray, Lord, that you would open their hearts and prepare their hearts, Lord, that they too would come to the knowledge of the truth. Lord, We thank you. You are the Lord of the harvest. You are the Lord of the harvest. Go beyond our wildest imagination. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Fantastic. God is so good. God is so good.